centuries. Um, if you are more of the rancher type, then you would think of a brand as something that you put on the backside of a cow, uh, something that would mark which cows were yours and which cows were somebody else's. And so if they got out or if they were mixed up with others or if they were stolen by some thief, you would be able to see who that cow belonged to. Well, the idea of branding has since evolved into something more common uh, that we think of is, is the logos and the identity markers of businesses. We have branding of companies, and it has their, their trademark logo as well as all of the ideas and thoughts and feelings and emotions around that particular brand. And so we think of things like Apple, and we know the icon of Apple and all the products that go along with Apple. Fast Company has listed um, some, some brands that they consider to be uh, the best brands, the top brands, the most influential brands. And these include um, some that are, are familiar, others that might be a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Google, Amazon, Apple, Tesla... Netflix, Airbnb, Facebook, and Starbucks. They would list these as, as the most significant brands right now. Um, some of those you have definitely heard of. Others may be a little less familiar. And there are a lot of well-known brands that didn't even make the list. So we think of something that has golden arches that would be McDonald's doesn't make the list. Um, things like that didn't make the Fast Company list. But these brands that they've listed make the list because of, quote, the power to connect deeply with people and bring about change. These are products, these are businesses that are, are connecting with people. They connect deeply with people and they bring about change. Uh, they also influence the direction of the culture at large. And so if you think about these companies and what they really do, you can see that they connect with their customers deeply. Their, their customers are deeply loyal to these brands, and they bring about significant change in how we do business. Think about Amazon. Um, it wasn't long ago where the idea of ordering something and expecting it the next day or two, um, that would have been completely foreign. But now if it doesn't get to me in two days through Amazon Prime, something is wrong, right? I should be able to get online. I can walk into a store and have my app and say, oh, I can get it cheaper there, order, and two days later it's on my doorstep. Completely changes the way we do business actually gets people excited about spending their money on Amazon. Or think about Apple, who, who has had these innovative pro products and very loyal customers. Um, they call people who are loyal to Apple evangelists. Because when you're loyal to Apple, you will share your loyalty with others and convince others that Apple is the best thing you should purchase. Then there's Airbnb, which is a newer one on the scene that has completely changed the, the hospitality industry where, where people are inviting complete strangers to, to use rooms or, how, or their own houses. Inviting people to stay in your house is part of this growing sharing economy where they share rides, they share houses, they share clothes, they share all kinds of things that we wouldn't have thought should have been shared. 
And then you have Tesla, which makes a luxury electric car that's eco-friendly and gives you bragging rights and has completely changed the distribution system for how cars are sold. And so all of these brands connect deeply with their customers, and they bring about change in the larger culture. They influence how the world operates, how the world views the economy, how the, view, how the world views uh, the exchange of products. And so if we were to use business terms, which I frequently hesitate to do, in connection with our Christian faith, what would our Christian brand be? I'm not talking about our church logo. I'm not talking about Montgomery, but as Christianity, what would that represent to the larger, larger culture? When someone sees an Apple logo, what do they think? When someone sees a cross, what do they think? What are the emotions? What are the connections? For sure, the culture would recognize the cross and many of us put symbols of faith on our vehicles, on jewelry, on clothing. But when the, the larger culture sees these things, what do they experience? Sadly, our Christian brand might not be doing so well. Scandals, political posturing, misguided theology, abuses over time have caused people to turn away from Christianity. According to the Center for American Progress, Christianity has become associated with intolerance, bigotry, anti-intellectualism, they're calling us dumb, exclusion, rigidity, stinginess, lack of compassion. Not a brand that you would want to market, right? If you were an advertiser and this client came to you and said, hey, I've got this product, and everybody thinks that it's intolerant and rigid and dumb and stingy. Help me sell this thing. <laughs> Who's going to take that contract? Who's going to try to sell that? That's not the message that we want to be sending. And so that is not what Christianity is about. Paul reminds us of what Christianity is about as we've been looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 last week and will continue on this week. And so we have to go back to our roots of, of, of who we are as, as people who are Christ followers. And as one of the earliest evangelists and church planters, Paul had this idea of refocusing on what matters most. What is of first concern and greatest concern? In a sense, defining what is the, the brand of this Christian faith. And so last week we spent time looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And then we're going to finish out the chapter today. But I want to reread 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 12 to give us this context of what Paul is talking about. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose hearts. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure that is in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And so Paul gives us this powerful message of what is of first importance and what is of most importance Paul is deflecting away from himself as he's receiving criticism that he's making it all about him he's deflecting that and saying it's all about Jesus he's proclaiming Jesus not proclaiming himself and he gives us this image of these jars of clay these these disposable beverage containers He gives us this image and says, we are just these disposable plastic bottles, these disposable containers that in and of themselves have absolutely no value, but it's the content that's on the inside that matters the most. And what is on the inside is Jesus Christ. And so amazingly enough, God has entrusted this incredible gift to us that we carry around in us the message of the cross. That we, these fragile, these breakable jars, these weak people, we demonstrate the glory of God shining through us. And so the life of Jesus is revealed through us. And we carry around with us the death of Jesus. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul tells us that the message of the cross is the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. And that is what is being displayed in us and through us. Paul believed in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And so this cross is not the sign of weakness. Instead, it shows the power of God. It shows what God is up to, what he is doing, what his mission is. It was on the cross that Jesus died. And it was... 
from there that he was buried and raised to new life. And so what happens on Good Friday and what happens on Easter has more world-changing power than anything that's ever been developed by any of those influential companies. More than an iPhone, more than Amazon, more than a Facebook, more than those. What happened on Good Friday and Easter changes the world. And so that brings us back to first or second Corinthians chapter four as we finish out the chapter. Second Corinthians four, starting in verse thirteen. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefits, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Our thanksgiving overflows, bringing glory to God because of Christ's work in us. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, now think about the troubles that you're having or have had. It could be unemployment, it can be illness, it can be a variety of different troubles that we go through. And Paul says, they are light and momentary. That big thing is light and momentary. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal for we know that if the earthly tent we lived in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And so we have here this, this message of the cross. The message of the cross is the power of God. His, his life, death, burial, and his resurrection are world-changing but then there is even more than that. Paul tells us that the one who raised Jesus and the power that raised Jesus raises us as well. Now what a message is that? A powerful, powerful message that says the power that was able to bring Jesus out of the grave is the same power that is at work in us. And we have that same resurrection. That means that we will experience the resurrection with Jesus and we will enjoy eternal life with Him. 
And so through the power of God, we are a part of what God is doing. We're a part of the power of the message of Jesus. Now imagine, again, you are that advertiser and someone comes to you with a potential account to advertise their brand. And now this is what you're trying to sell. That the power of God that brings Jesus out of the tomb is the power that's at work in us. It doesn't put anything compared to the iPhone. Anything compared to anything that the world produces. Does it connect deeply? Yes, that message should connect deeply. Does it bring about positive change? Absolutely, it brings about positive change. Does it influence the world around us? Does the message of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, change the world? Absolutely. This is a dream account for an advertiser. That the message of the cross, as Paul says, far outweighs them all. There is no competition with this one. None of the most innovative products or companies can even come close. This is a brand that we can trust in. This is a message that we can trust in. And so when we look here as, as Paul is describing what this spirit of faith is, what does this spirit of faith have? What are the qualities that it brings? What are the things that people are craving that this faith can fulfill? The first thing is that Christianity offers us this invisible power. It's a shoebox that's empty that is full of the most important things, our spirit of faith. Believing in the invisible power, our faith knows that the truth is of what is said by the character in the novel, The Little Prince. The Little Prince, the character says, it's only with the heart that one can see rightly. It's only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. What is essential is invisible to the eye. What are the most important things in that shoebox? Love, faith. These qualities that are not tangible, things that cannot be seen by the eye. And so what, what is essential that is invisible to the eye? Love for God? Love for others, justice and righteousness in our dealings with others, belief in the power of forgiveness, both given to others and received. These are all intangible things that are a cornerstone to our faith. The fruit of the Spirit, which Paul calls the, the, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness. Self-control? These are these intangible qualities. This invisible power gives us these things. And none of these qualities can be perceived by the eyes, but we, we see them clearly through our hearts, through our interactions with one another, through being a part of the body of Christ. In fact, they're, they're infinitely more important than anything that we do as a church, anything that we can purchase anything that we try to add on to our lives, 
the more we try to stack on of the tangible, the more we lose sight of the intangible. And so imagine living without love, living without forgiveness, living without justice and righteousness. Imagine getting up in the morning and not being able to experience the possibilities of of joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What kind of life is that? We hunger for that. And so we have this invisible power. And our faith, secondly, gives us access to that power. So our faith allows us to see this invisible power, but then because we believe, we now have access to these invisible powers. We are able to love each other because God loved us first. We're able to act with justice and righteousness because God is just and righteous. We believe in forgiveness because Jesus died to free us from our sin, and we receive forgiveness. We're able to show the fruits of the Spirit because the Spirit is always working through us. And so we're able to access these invisible powers. As the character in The Little Prince said, what is essential is invisible to the eye. I think the Apostle Paul would agree that what is essential is not what is seen. We look not at what can be seen, but what cannot be seen. For what we see, those are the temporary things, but what we cannot see, those are the eternal things. And third, faith gives us an assurance that the good news of the Christian faith is not just for here and now. And, and the faith gives us invisible powers to face all of the challenges that we have in our life. It gives us assurances that we have a place in God's eternal kingdom. This is not just a temporary brand. This is not a product that will become obsolete. This is not something that will become outdated. This is something that will last for eternity. And that gives us an assurance. Paul writes to the Corinthians, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, which it will be, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And so the focus is on the eternal life, made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. The focus is not on the here and the now, the immediate, the, the, the physical. It assures us that, that nothing in all creation, any of those competing brands, any of those things that we try to piece together for ourselves, nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus. And so in the face of of uncertainty, the face of economic change, the face of, uh, of difficult personal situations and, and difficult global situations. In the midst of that, we need something that we can hold on to that lasts an eternity, that will not become obsolete, and that is the spirit of faith that we hold on to. It brings about change. It, it inspires people to, to work hard to transform the world around us. It shapes the history and the larger culture by, by giving a people a vision of God's heavenly kingdom 
A place where, where injustice and war are replaced by righteousness and peace. And so God provided for the Apostle Paul as God does for us. And so at the heart of this is an invisible power and an eternal life that far outweighs them all. Far outweighs anything. We don't need to fear anything. We do not lose hearts. It's all good. Let's be standing together. As we think about the spirit of faith, it can be as simple as a children's lesson. But in the midst of day-to-day life, how easy is it for us to lose sight? And Paul steers us back and says, do not lose heart. There is an invisible power that you have access to that gives you an assurance of who you are and the future that you have. And so if you're not sure about your faith, We want to have a conversation with you. If you have not declared faith in this incredible message of Jesus, the message of the cross, then we want to have that conversation with you. I want to invite you to to come forward and talk to me or one of the shepherds. But for, for those of us who have already confessed that, it's not just a one time confession, is it? Day by day, he renews us and reminds us of who we are and the power that is available to us. And so we need to spend some time encouraging one another, lifting one another up, praying for one another, reminding one another of the power that we have. So I want to encourage you to to pray with one another, come and pray with one of the shepherds, get together as a life group, as a family, uh, go across the room and, and pray for somebody that you know that needs encouragement in this time. Let's pray together now. God, we thank you for this message of the cross, this message uh, that has uh, so much power to it. God, help us to continue to, to understand and realize the real power that it has. We continue to operate in our own power way too much. So God, I pray that we surrender that to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.